0: Welcome to the Cash Flow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. It's that time again. I'm excited. You should be excited. Hey, by the way, fellow podcasters, I got a new toy I've been playing with. This is called the Rode Podcaster Pro. This thing's kind of of a little bit badass, I got to tell you. It's my new mixing board. And the reason why I'm doing that is, of course, I'm going to be traveling the country here for the next... I don't know how long. We bought an RV and we're getting ready to travel across the country and, and see the world and kind of doing our retirement now. Afterwards, after all, why wait to retire? Let's just get it done now, right? Go well, that's some fun. So my wife retired from her job. We're not even 50 yet. we going to be traveling the country. You guys heard about that. If this is your first time listening to the show, my name is Tyler Sheff and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys podcast. And I want to talk today about how can I profit from this? This is something that I ask myself, probably my most important question of all, I ask myself every single time I'm getting into a new deal or looking at an opportunity is how can I profit from this? What's in it for me? Well, you think, well, Tyler, that's selfish. You shouldn't think what's in it for you. You should think about helping the world and saving the starving children in Detroit or whatever. Like, guys, it's not my job to save children in other states. It's my job to help provide people with clean, safe, affordable housing. That's my job. And for me to be able to do that, I need to have a profit. If I can't profit, well, I'm absolutely (laughs) wasting my time beyond beyond imagination I am wasting my time, okay? So that said, you gotta ask yourself this question, why in the hell am I focusing on this opportunity? And I talked to a lot of folks that call in and I see people on Facebook primarily that they're posting things that they've kind of put the cart before the horse. They're under contract on a deal and then they start asking questions that they should have considered before they even went under contract, especially wholesalers. I see a lot of wholesalers out there that are putting properties under contract. They don't have any buyers. So I ask you this wholesalers, how can you feasibly get a property under contract and negotiate on my behalf if we've never met? Well, the answer usually falls along the lines of, well, Tyler, it's 70% of after repair value minus repairs and minus my fee, and that's what I what I negotiate for. It's like, well, what if I don't care about after repair value? What if income method matters more to me? Because as a, as a buy and hold guy, I could give a rat's patooey what ARV is. That's something that Ron LeGrand in, uh, invented in a guru boot camp, okay? So after repair value, that's for speculators. You see, I'm not a speculator. I'm a landlord. So for me, I could really care less what ARV is. I want to know what's my cash on cash return. Well, the only way you can give me my cash on cash return is if I tell you how much cash is coming into the deal. Therefore, unless we've met, had the conversation, you understand my investor identity, you're kind of wasting your time negotiating on my behalf. So getting back to the question, why am I focusing on this opportunity? This is a question I ask myself a lot when wholesalers and brokers send me over their quote unquote good deals. What about this for me makes this a good deal? There have been times that I've seen some great deals be put together after the fact, but never, ever, 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 ever in my almost 20 years, let's see, year 2000, 2019. Yeah. 20 years in real estate, darn near, call it 19 years, has anybody ever sent me a good deal right out of the gate? Never have I seen a good or a great deal advertised. Why is that, Tyler? Well, that's because people don't advertise good deals because when you get into the facts, you'll realize that there's a lot more to the story, right? When you understand the seller's problem or the property's problem, You're going to start to see that, well, maybe this isn't a good deal after all, or you have to negotiate. Now, there's a lot of folks saying, boy, I bought this. I got a great deal. Well, maybe for your criteria, if you have criteria, but I beg to differ. In other words, how's this thing going to be able to support its own mortgage payment? And people look at me like, I got three heads. So I look at the very first thing I think about when somebody throws something in front of me, or I see an ad in the paper, or a Facebook ad, or a We Buy Houses sign, or whatever it may be. Why would I focus on this opportunity? Let's say, for example, I'm driving down the street. I see a three-bedroom, two-bath house in a nice neighborhood, or a crappy neighborhood, doesn't really matter. Your average investor will stop and go poke through that house. Well, for me, I don't even bother. Why? Because I don't do houses. That's why. Because I know that if I stop and look at that three-bedroom, two-bath house, that would make about as much sense as me going to look at high heels. Although my calves would probably look amazing in high heels, I'm not going to go shopping for high heels because I don't wear high heels. Just like I'm not going to go shopping for a three-bedroom, two-bath house when I don't buy three-bedroom, two-bath houses. So for that, if I'm spending time focusing on that, you got to ask yourself a question. Where is my focus? What the heck am I doing with the precious few moments? What's our number one excuse for not getting started in real estate investing? I don't have the time. It's either I don't have the time or I don't have the money. Well, getting into what's in it for me, how can I make money off of this? Where's Tyler's profit? Stopping by that three-bedroom, two-bath house in a local neighborhood has no advantage to me whatsoever because I don't buy three-bedroom, two-bath houses. Yes, I could probably flip it. Sure, I could. I could fix it and flip it. I could do a hotel or whatever they call it. I could. I could list it as a realtor and sell it. I could do all kinds of things. But instead, I continue to focus on what I know works for me and passive income works for me. Because at the end of the day, folks, I'm lazy, just like all the other Americans. Okay, that's just a fact. I don't want to go out and flip a house. I don't even want to go through the effort of wholesaling a property. Why? Because dollar for a dollar, I can always make more money on a rental property than I ever could wholesaling a property. And guys, you're talking to a guy. I did a wholesale fee. I did a wholesale transaction. I made a hundred grand off of that thing yes six figure a little over 100 grand flipped an option contract because I recognized the opportunity I took an option on and I sold my option for a 100k yes that's a fact I've got properties that make me that in a year. I'm talking, I've got small properties that can make a hundred thousand with short-term rentals. Not hard guys, not hard at all. It's all about location, timing, and the quality of the product and how you're going to rent the property. So again, I ask what's in it for me. So I'm going to pass up that three, two, but now I'd run by and see maybe a a duplex or five or a 10 unit or a 20. And I look at that going, Hmm, what's up with this? Why are they selling it? Why again, it's in my identity, right? Why should I stop and look at this? What, what about this opportunity? grabs my attention. Well, maybe it's, it looks like hell. Maybe the paint's peeling or there's a bunch of wood pallets or a bunch of living room furniture out in the front porch, right? That tells me there's a management issue because if a property manager allows people to live like pigs and have their couch in the driveway, well, that's a problem. See, you know, you see the redneck situation. Well, that's probably a good indication of poor management. And that's usually the icing on the cake. So for me, that's the flag waving. And for me, that's the green flag, the money flag, because I know nobody gives a rat's patooie about apartment building. I know that manager is collecting his 5% discounted management fee and he just thinks he's a fat cat and he can't wait for tenants to turn over because he gets half or all of the first month's rent because the property manager, or the landlord didn't know any better. In reality, the next thing I got to ask myself is, okay, Tyler, if I did this deal, how would I exit it? And the answer usually is probably a version of never. And granted, I get that. But when I talk about exit strategy, what's my plan with this property? Am I going to keep it for five years? Am I going to keep it for 20 years? Am I going to keep it for 30 years? I can't really predict out 30 years because I'll be, goodness gracious, I'll be 70 eight years old. Oh man. But what can what am I going to do with it? If I'm going to keep it for five years, I have to look at, I have to kind of future proof this thing. I got to stress test it to see, can it support itself easily for five years? What if there is a surge in rents? What if the rents go down? Never really happened in history, but at the end of the day, we're building apartments at a blinding rate. I think they've rebuilt, they've built a whole new city of Dallas, Texas. There's apartments going up every 15 feet. I think some of these big syndicators in Dallas, they're doing a couple deals a month and we're talking about several hundred doors. I want to know where all these people are coming from. Part of the answer is California. I digress. So is do I want to invest in a property in a certain market or a type of property if I'm not clear in my exit strategy? Am I going to get a property under contract to wholesale it if I don't have a buyer's list? The answer is no, because that would be stupid. I don't negotiate deals for people I haven't met yet. That doesn't make sense. That's like me coming into a restaurant and saying to the waiter, guess what I want for dinner? And when they bring me the wrong thing, I throw it in their face. That's essentially what most wholesalers are doing. It blows my mind that people waste their time doing that. Guys, go out and meet people to serve, go out and meet buyers, have a conversation with them, have a cup of coffee, figure out what their needs are, okay? Figure out what's in it for them, figure out how they're going to exit the property. Next thing I think about is, does this line up with my investor identity? So if I'm going to go do a uh, look at that five-unit building, let's say, does this line up? What kind of tenants live there? If it's a slum, probably not, although that's why I cut my teeth on those type of properties, I don't do them anymore. I like more of the C and B class type of properties because I can identify better with that type of tenant. I like your average blue collar worker that goes to work every day, does their thing, does not have excuses and makes things happen. That's a great tenant for me because I, can, I know what it takes to serve that tenant and I can be a great landlord for that tenant. If it's outside of that comfort zone that I'm in, I'm not going to mess with that. I also don't mess with beachfront luxury snobs driving the, uh, what do you call it, the Rolls Royce or the Bentley. I don't identify with them either. It just doesn't, nothing wrong with those people. I mean, more power to them. I'm not jealous because they have more money than me or anything like that. I could, that's none of that. that doesn't matter at all. My point is this. I just don't identify with that type of person. I also don't identify with people and I don't know. Siberia. Who the hell would live in Siberia? It's the frozen tundra. Frankly, I don't identify with anybody north of the Mason-Dixon line. Wait a minute, is that a north-south thing? Anyway, anywhere where it snows, I don't identify with you. Sorry, but it's colder than hell. Why do you stay in a place where you're miserable all winter? Just go to Florida or Texas or I don't know, Southern California, something. So I don't spend time focused on things that don't fit in my investor identity. That said, when I figure out that all these questions are legit, if I know why I'm focusing on that opportunity, what's in it for me, how I'm going to exit the property and that it lines up my investor identity, the next thing is I'm going to find out why is the seller selling? As our buddy Pete Fortunato would say, why in the world would you sell such a beautiful house like this? I love it when he says that. I need to know that if I cannot determine that, that I'm absolutely wasting my time. I also need to know what they're going to do with the proceeds because in Every, and I mean every, 100% of the offers that I send out include some sort of option for the seller to accept payments for their equity. Notice how I said that, payments for their equity. They're not financing me because they're not giving me a loan. Okay, that's my mindset. Mr. Seller says, I the guy says, I'm not a bank. I agree. Because if you were a bank, I'd ask you to write me a check like I would with Bank of America or Wells Fargo or whoever. But I don't expect you to write me a check. What I'm asking is if you would accept payments for your equity, I can give you what you need, provided you're willing to take it in monthly payments over a period of time. What if I gave you X per month until paid? What does that look like for you? And if they say yes, well, now the only thing we have to negotiate really is how many of those payments is there? Essentially, that's what gets you to your purchase price. So think about that for a second, guys. Let's look at that $100,000 property. Well, what if I say, you know, Mr. Seller, I can give you $200 a month until paid, and we're going to do that, let's say, for 30 years. So let's just do that math real quick. So that's $200 a month times 360 months, that's a $72,000 payment if there's no interest. So Mr. Seller, I can give you 250 a month for 30 years until paid. And the seller says, well, I want more than that. Okay. Well, why do you want more than that? We talked about what you need per month to to fit your, your uh, goals. So why would you need more than that? I don't understand. Help me understand. See how this goes, folks? Here's the bottom line. In every instance, and in anything that you focus your time on, I need you to promise yourself one thing, that you're going to ask that very first most important question, how can I profit from this? How can I profit from this? Boys and girls, if you cannot clearly answer that question in the first five seconds of your attention, then I need you to defer to t- take your attention elsewhere when you're out there looking at deals, quote unquote. Remember, there is no such thing as an advertised deal. Just not possible. So again, when you drive by that three three-bedroom, two-bath house that does not fit your investor identity, keep driving. Yet, same thing if you're driving by that apartment building and you're a single-family house person. Keep driving unless you're there to apply to move in. Don't get distracted. I know that's very easy to say. Everybody's distracted. Hell, I'm distracted. Facebook is my nemesis. I can't believe the amount of time that we spend on Facebook as Americans or any type of social media. I'm not gonna get on that topic and rant about it. Again, how can I profit from this? So now if I might promise myself if I'm on Facebook, it's something work-related. In other words, like I was just on Facebook a little bit ago because I have a new listing that I put on the Facebook marketplace. So that was a worthwhile time of my investment to be on Facebook because I was busy putting a listing on there in the Facebook marketplace and learning how to do it while screen recording the process so that my assistant can do it next time. How about that? That's a good way for being on Facebook. Folks, for those of you that haven't reached out, which is a lot of you, if you're un if you're stuck and need help getting unstuck, spend some time, get involved, get over to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. CashflowGuys.com forward slash ask Tyler. What that's all about is you get a chance to get on my calendar. We have a conversation. I help you get unstuck. If you're getting stuck, that's what we're there for. So head on over to CashflowGuys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Get on my calendar. Let's get on a phone call. No, I'm not gonna sell you anything. Just want to have a good conversation with you to see if I can help you get unstuck. People who did that for me early on. And I appreciate it. And this is my way of giving back to folks. And I hope that you find value in this as well. And so far, everybody that we've talked to does. So, folks, I'm going to wrap it up right there. And I hope you have a great week and I'll catch you up the next time. This concludes today's episode. today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. Generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.